the Bible to Exodus chapter 12. For those of you who are guests this evening, let me just say that we're in a study through the book of Exodus, and the Lord is blessing us. By the way, this coming Sunday morning, we're going to look at an interesting passage of Scripture, and we're going to discover why the shortest route is not always the best route. Sometimes we believe that the quickest way we can get where we're going is always the best way, but it's not. And we're going to see how God deliberately led the children of Israel on a lengthy road to the promised land rather than a short route. And we're going to see the benefits of that. And if some of you think that God has been hammering on you excessively over a longer period of time than you think is appropriate, you may get some relief if you come this Sunday morning, at least as far as your understanding is concerned. And so I want to encourage you to be here this coming Sunday morning. Now this evening, as we have been doing on Wednesdays, we're going back into the text of the previous week just to draw out a thought or two or three that we may have missed. I'm sure, well, there are many more than that that we missed, but just something that pops up in the te text that we don't have an opportunity to deal with on Sunday. So tonight I'd like to speak about your testimony. Your testimony. At the close of the service, John Albritton is going to come up and share with you a testimony, not his personal testimony, but testimony about a soul-winning experience. Um, Bob and Marilyn Kaufman's Bob's mother is here from Sioux City, and um, she came to know the Lord here at First Southern a year and a half ago, and we were talking about her testimony, weren't we, just a few minutes ago. We're standing down here. I introduced her to Forrest and Mary and Evelyn. And uh, I said she'd been saved three years ago. She said it's been a year and a half ago. I mean, uh, I, I'm sorry. I just forgot how, how brief a time it had been. But she didn't just get, you know, saved. She got active. She's plunged into a great little Baptist church uh, across the, the, uh, the state line. And they're starting another Southern Baptist church. And she's so excited. A personal testimony. Well, tonight I want to speak on that subject. Your testimony. Your testimony. Now, if you want to know the entire text for the message, it begins really with verse 24 of Exodus chapter 12 um, and continues through the next chapter, verse 16. You go over to chapter 13 and the 16th verse. And you will find, I'm not going to, I'm going to ask you not to read that right now, but you will find in those verses all of the instructions God is giving to the children of Israel so that they will not forget their deliverance. And he tells them about the feast of the unleavened bread. And he tells them about the feast of the Passover. And he tells them about redeeming the firstborn because the firstborn of all of Egypt were slaughtered. Then the firstborn of all the Israelites are to be redeemed. All of this is God's way of saying, don't forget what's happened. This is your testimony. And so we're going to look at that and I want you to think with me about your own testimony. This evening, at breakfast this morning, I uh, asked the waitress at the restaurant, Jeannie's still down in uh, 
Dallas, Fort Worth area, with uh, Greg and Sarah and Abigail and, and young James Hudson, named after his daddy and Hudson Taylor, James Hudson Mann, and I guess after you a little bit, Joel Mann. Um, but um, so I went to breakfast with a friend of mine this morning, and I told him we got there before the uh, doors opened, and I told him, I said, I've been witnessing to this uh, uh, waitress for several years now. I said, she is a Jehovah's Witness, and um, she doesn't know the Lord. And I said, I, I, um, I talk to her a little bit every time I come in. You know, every time I, I come to the restaurant, I visit with her a little more. And so, sure enough, she came and unlocked the doors for us. And we walked in, I introduced, well, I greeted her, and we found us a booth to sit in. And she came back a little bit later with some coffee and the uh, um, menus. And so uh, I asked her then if I could pray with her about something. And she, she uh, you know, shared with me, yes, there was, and, and told me what it was, something about the day. And it had started off a little bit bad. The cashier hadn't shown up or something like that. And so I told her we were going to pray for her. All of that is so that I'll have the privilege of doing something again with her that I have done before, and that is sharing my testimony with her. Well, what is your testimony? What is your testimony? Stand with me, if you will, please. Let's look together. I'm going to begin reading with verse 24, Exodus chapter 12. Now, he's talking about the Passover, the feast of the Passover. Verse 24, you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. It shall come to pass that when you come to the land which the Lord has given you according as he has promised, he says, you do this there too, that you shall keep this service. He says, keep on doing it once you get to the promised land. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what do you mean by this service? In other words, why are you doing this? That you shall say it is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshiped, and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. Father, I pray that you will cause each of us to think seriously about our testimony this evening. What is our testimony? Where did it begin? Who is a part of it? In addition, Lord, to you and your mercy and grace. What do we recall of it? And, and what of it that we know could be a blessing to other people? Lord, speak to us about our testimony tonight. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Our, our testimony, your testimony. That is the subject this evening. We live in a very litigious society, and it's gotten to the point that uh, you can even turn on television and you can get all kinds of court. You know, you can get the people's court, and you can get Judge Judy. I like her because she's, like, she's sort of, you know, boy, she's in charge. And now they tell me that you can even get animal court. Is that right? That's right. Those of you who watch TV incessantly would know that. <laughs> animal court. Can you imagine animal court? 
You know, what do you say to an animal uh, to get them to testify? Well, anyway, in court, you generally have testimony. And a testimony has to be the truth as the person has experienced it. No more than that. You can't dress it up. You can't, well, you can. You can perjure yourself. You can elaborate. You can discuss the meaning of what is, is. But the reality is that a testimony is supposed to be the truth as you know it. Nothing more, certainly nothing less. It is to be the truth. What is the truth as you have experienced it about your relationship with Jesus? The truth. Not the words that you have heard in church as people have shared about their experience and you've borrowed so that you can tell people you're saved or you trusted Jesus or you repented of sin. What is the truth as you experienced it in regard to your relationship with Jesus. That is your testimony. And the Bible is big on this business of sharing testimony. All right? In fact, Jesus said of believers, you should be witnesses. You're to bear witness. You're to testify as to what happened. The truth, nothing but the truth as Jack Webb used to say. Now, I want to give you tonight from this passage of Scripture, as we just simply read through these verses, four important qualities that must be a part of your testimony. These characteristics must be a part of your testimony. And, of course, we're dealing with the Feast of the Passover which is an annual testimony of the deliverance of the children of Israel from the bondage and from the slavery of Egypt. So let's look at these four qualities. First of all, your testimony should be enduring. That's the first word, enduring. In other words, it is a testimony that you should be able to easily repeat, listen to this now, and do so on a frequent basis. Now listen to verse 24. You shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. So every year at the appropriate time, they would testify to their deliverance. They would get together. They would have the feast of the Passover along with everything that went on with it, the feast, the days of the unleavened bread, the time of cleansing, and uh, this, the redemption of the firstborn, they'd get together and have this, this table, this Passover table, which was a testimony on an annual basis of how God had delivered them. Now listen, that means if a person lived 40 years following that day, and that's the most that any of that generation lived, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. But if a person lived 40 years beyond that day, now listen, 
that means that they would have testified to their deliverance at least 40 times in their lifetime. Now let me ask you a question. How many times have you testified of your deliverance from the bondage and from the slavery of sin? You have a testimony. By the way, soul winning is not the same as sharing your testimony. I often share my testimony when I'm soul winning, but you can lead people to Jesus. You can share the gospel without testifying. How often do you share your testimony? With your family, like they were instructed to do. With your friends. With others in the fellowship. How often do you share your testimony? I don't want to park here very long, but I want to make a suggestion to you. People who know you ought to be very familiar with your testimony. Now, I don't mean casual acquaintances, but people that you see, they're in the daily traffic pattern of your life. That means your family, many of your friends, people with whom you work, maybe the neighbor that you've lived next door to for many, many years. You name some others, relatives, others. You see, people who know you, they probably know some other things about you. They probably know where you work. They probably know how many children you have. They probably know your children's names and maybe even where they've gone to school or maybe they know other things about you, whether you're in the military or you're in civilian service. They may know something about your education. They know other things about you. But should God take you from this earth, they ought to be able to immediately identify your name with a testimony of God's deliverance. It is to be an enduring testimony. All right, secondly, the Bible says that it ought to be an enjoyed testimony, something you enjoy, not something you do because you have to once a year, but something you enjoy. Notice he says it shall come to pass. That when you've come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he has promised, that you shall keep this service. Now, why is God saying that? Because some people are big on sharing with the Lord and about their relationship with the Lord when times are tough. But there's not enough there that they remember to share when times are good. And he's saying this. He's saying this testimony ought to be such a treasure to you. This ought to be such an enjoyable experience as sharing your testimony that when you come into the land that you're headed toward, after all that time, keep telling it. Keep telling it. Don't just say, well, that was just to remember while we were trudging through the wilderness. Or that was just to remember for a few years until we got tired of telling the story. He's saying, no, this is to be a testimony and ordinance for all generations, a perpetual testimony. It ought to be something you enjoy doing. I've had people tell me on occasions that they don't like something that I do. Well, I have people tell me they don't like a lot of things I do. But... Um, Sometimes, you know, in some of our worship services, 
uh, I'll say, turn to the person next to you. Ask them if they really know Jesus. Or tell them when you met Jesus Christ as your Savior. And occasionally somebody come around and they'll say, that offends me when you do that. Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think it offends saved people. <laughs> the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I don't think it bothers somebody who's got a testimony. Now, it does bother religious people who don't have a testimony. But if you have a testimony, that's something you share at the drop of the hat. You might even just drop the hat just to have the privilege of sharing the testimony, the story of your deliverance. Now, listen, your family may know that you're a great soul winner. Do they know your testimony? Do your friends know your testimony? It ought to be something you enjoy telling people. Enduring, enjoyable. Let's look at the third quality. It ought to be an examined testimony, one that meets the test of a pure testimony. Notice what the Scripture says, verse 26. It shall come to pass when your children say unto you, What do you mean by this? What do you mean by this? That you say, well, let me explain. Your testimony ought to be not only subject to examination, but it ought to pass. Now, I'll be honest with you. There are a lot of people whose testimony doesn't pass. I've heard people share some of the most ridiculous and asinine Testimonies, not that I had to be the judge, but they didn't have anything to do with coming to know Jesus. Joe, you remember being at a party one time and guy got up, gave his testimony, and another fellow got up and said, Mine's like his, and sat back down. <laughs> when you share your testimony, it ought not to bother you when people ask you questions about it. Now, they may not be satisfied with your answers, but you ought to have some, right? You ought to have some. I know a lot of people whose testimony, they, they've worked on this, they got it crafted, and boy, they don't want anybody messing with it. Don't ask me about that. You know, because you get the impression that when they tell you their testimony, they've just told you everything they know about their walk with Jesus. They've just, they just spent their bullet right there. There's nothing more or less. That's just it. They just got those words. They share that. That's enough said. Don't talk to them anymore about that. But I hear testimonies that don't meet the test. Everything's all right between me and the man upstairs. That doesn't meet the test. I've made my peace with God. One of the saddest things that I hear people say at funerals sometimes, well, I don't know about dad, don't know about mom. I asked them repeatedly about Jesus and all he'd ever say was, well, I've made my peace with God. Well, that doesn't meet the test. Because when asked about this, these people will be able to say, look, let me tell you what this means. This is all about getting delivered. And we use these elements because this is what it took to get delivered. And this is how it happened. It ought to be an examined 
testimony. And having said that, let's move to the fourth characteristic. This ought to be obvious. You'd think this would be the first thing I would have said. It's so obvious. It ought to be, your testimony ought to be an experienced testimony. Not something you wish would have happened, but something that happened. Not something you want to happen, but something that has really happened to you. Notice in verse 27, you're just going to say, in response to that question, it's a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt. When he smote the Egyptians, he delivered our houses, and the people bowed their heads in worship. Now listen, at this point in the scripture, the Passover hasn't really occurred. He's giving them some instructions about what they're going to do when the Passover does occur. But notice what it says in verse 28. The children of Israel went away, and they did as the Lord had commanded. So did they. And that so did they is the Hebrew language way of saying they really did do it. They did it, so did they. They really did it this thing that the Lord had commanded them. So your testimony ought to be an experienced testimony. It's easy to get a canned testimony and just, you know, spew out some words that you've heard people say before and adopt them as your own. People do that in church a lot. You notice that? I've noticed people do that when they pray in church. When, they, when people pray in church, they have a tendency, many times because their heart's not really in it, to gather up cliches from the north and from the south, from the east and the west, and just spew them out in their prayer. Lead, guide, and direct us. Bless all those whom it's our honor, duty, and privilege to pray for. Well, what does that mean? Why don't you name one or two whom it is your honor to pray for, your duty, your privilege to pray for, like the president? like your church, like your family. But people have a tendency to gather up these little cliches and put them in their praying. People do the same thing about their testimony. Well, God showed me as a sinner. I prayed the sinner's prayer. Jesus came into my heart. I was saved. Bless God, I'm going to heaven. Well, have you experienced that really and truly? Is it an experienced testimony? If you've experienced it, you don't need to say about it something other people have said. You've got your own testimony. And it'll ring true when you're questioned about it. An enduring testimony, an enjoyed testimony, an examined testimony, an experienced testimony. What's your testimony tonight? Father, I pray... Before we leave this place, there wouldn't be one person in this room who wouldn't really have a testimony. Lord, unless I miss my guess, there are some people here tonight who don't have a testimony. If they died, they did not have the certainty that they would go spend eternity with you. Whatever it is to be said or done or believed, they're not even sure. 
people who pray the sinner's prayer every day when they get up or say, Lord, in case I'm not saved, save me, which is such a foolish way of praying. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that you would resolve that in their heart. I pray that for those people, you would bring them to this altar so they would have a testimony and they'd be honest enough to admit to counselor, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. And, Lord, their very coming is a way of putting their faith in you acknowledging that you alone can save them. Lord, I pray that you'll bring to this altar those who want a testimony and bring others, dear Lord, those who'll join this church tonight, those who want to kneel here and pray about some issue, those who are praying for friends, those who are answering your call, bring them to the altar just now, I pray in Jesus' name. While your head's bowed and eyes are closed, let me just say that this is an invitation that is meant for you. It's from God, but it's to you. He's delivering it to your heart tonight. It has to do with your testimony. If you would have to say, you know, I don't share my testimony often. It's not necessarily something I enjoy doing. I really feel sort of uncomfortable doing that. Isn't that strange? I feel uncomfortable telling people I got delivered from hell. Makes me uneasy or queasy to tell people that Old things passed away and I've become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hmm. It ought to be an examined testimony. I don't like people to talk to me about that. But it ought to be an experienced testimony. Then maybe I don't have one. Well, tonight you don't need to leave without settling that, resolving that. And I want to encourage you when we stand to come find a counselor and just say, I want to trust Jesus tonight. I want a testimony tonight. Now, if God's speaking to you about joining this church, we'll slip out of your pew there in a few moments, make your way forward, tell one of these counselors, I want to join. We want to join the church tonight. If you've made that decision in recent services and we've not introduced you to your church family, I'm going to ask you to come and be seated over here where it says seating for new members down here to your right. But it's your invitation. The altar is open for you to come and to pray. Prayer warriors will be coming. Counselors will be coming. Your moment to come and say yes to Jesus tonight. Let's stand together. Father, I pray, believing that tonight in the hearts of several people, you want to resolve the issue of this testimony. And Lord, give them a testimony as they trust in you tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.